0: Good morning to everyone, good to see you, glad that you're here, glad that you chose to come and be with us. Uh, I know there's several here in the audience that have been out, that have been sick, been struggling, and we're thankful that you're back with us. I am very thankful Roy's back, not just because I'm glad he's doing better and back, but our candy pile was running low, so glad Roy's back and able to provide that for us. Always, always been good to encourage and help and uh, especially provide the mints, and we really appreciate that. Or I do, I know. uh, He had me a little private stash over there that got so low, others were getting in my private stash, no matter how much I even hit them. So I know it's filling back up, and I appreciate that. Um, There was a writer that told of going to a lectureship at Ohio State University. And while he was riding there, the driver had him to look over and uh, see their new building. <clears throat> it was the Wexen Art Building. And he said, it's a building. He said, you'd really enjoy going to see that. He said, it's a building that um, kind of reflects and shows the postmodernist view of reality. And so the, the one that the professor there that was doing the lecture that day I <clears throat> asked him, so well, what makes it that way? And he said, well, the architect said he had no design and really no purpose when he built it, and people paid him to build it. There are staircases that go to nowhere, pillars that doesn't support anything, and just a lot of different things of how he viewed reality. He said, just kind of a mishmash of a lot of things. And I actually looked up this Wexon Center and looked at some different things in it, and it does have some pretty... pretty uh, unique things, and <laughs> it does have staircases that lead to nowhere in it. <clears throat> and as he was talking to him, he said, he asked the driver, he said, well, is that the way that they built the foundation? He said, no, you can't do a foundation like that. You can't be willy-nilly with the foundation. You gotta do it like it's supposed to be done. Then you can do whatever with what's on top of it. And when you think about that comment, you think about how foundation is important. I've talked to builders before And they said if they go and maybe going to invest in flipping a house or something like this, they said as long as the roof and the foundation, this foundation especially, is good, it doesn't matter what the rest of it looks like. They'll invest in it so they can make money off of it as long as that foundation is good. You know, it's like you hear people say, well, this house has good bones. You know, if the foundation's strong, you can do and change whatever you want to on top of that. But that foundation has to be what it's supposed to be. And that's what I want us to look at today. I want us to realize that if our faith is to be that one faith that we talked about in Bible class, then it has to be on the right foundation. The Bible tells us faith cometh by hearing, hearing the word of the Lord. So where does that faith come? Well, it comes from a foundation. And let's look at that foundation as we look in 2 Timothy chapter 3, beginning at verse 14. Says, but you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of. This is Paul talking to Timothy, knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. It's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction. For instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped to every good work. Now Paul was writing, as I said, to his co-worker Timothy, and he told Timothy not to neglect his foundation. You know, Paul told Timothy he had some work to do. And he, he told him, he said, you continue to preach. He said, in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. <coughs> in other words, there's going to come a time when they're going to leave that foundation. They want to leave what that core is. And he said, You stay true to the scriptures. You stay true to the foundation. You stay true to what's been taught to you. You stay true to that foundation that's been taught and you continue to build upon that. And I think that was very important and good advice that he gave uh, Timothy. Now again, what Paul was saying, these sacred scriptures here is the foundation. And he says, you know, you can trust that foundation. And if we trust that foundation, we trust it because it belongs to God. The Bible is God's Word. God's, uh, God breathes. And that, that's, the, that's the wonderful thing about what Scripture tells us. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God is God breathe? In other words, it's alive. Think about it. Remember back in Genesis chapter 2, verse 7? And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. That's what brought man alive is because God breathed into his nostrils. That's what his word is. His word is God breathed. It's alive. It's active. It's powerful. Just as he breathed life into Adam, that's what he breathed into his word. That's the foundation. That's the very basis of everything that we believe. We talked about in our Bible class from Ephesians, all those ones of one faith, one Lord, one baptism. Uh, all of these things are, are, are foundational. They're absolute truths. Well, though that foundation, that, that absolute truth of, of how we should be and what we should believe comes from the ultimate foundation of where it all begins through his word. Through that instruction of what we have to follow. That's where our faith, that's where that one faith comes from. That faith that we contend earnestly for. Where did it come from? It comes from His Word. His inspiration. He breathed it to us. And it's alive. Hebrews 4 and 12 says, For the Word of God is living, powerful, and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of the soul and spirit, and of joint and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of a man's heart. It was read a few moments ago in Isaiah 55, beginning at verse 10. For as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven, and do not return there but water the earth, and make it bring forth in bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please, it shall prosper in the things in which I sent it. Now when we think about the Bible, when we think about God's word, it's living, it's active, it's powerful. Matter of fact, it, it, it's true, it's that foundation. Matter of fact, John chapter 1 says, In the beginning was the word, and word was with God, and the word was God. And verse 14 said, That word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld its glory. Now that that word in the flesh, (coughs) Satan even knows himself. He can't deal with that kind of power. Remember in Matthew chapter 4, when when Jesus was tempted, when that word in the flesh was tempted, you know how that word stood up? Notice in Matthew chapter 4 beginning at verse 1. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, afterward he was hungry. Now when the tempter came to him, he said, if you are the Son of God. You know what he's saying? If you are the Son of God. The Son of God was that word that became flesh. Satan is saying, if you are the word, if you are the Son of God, if you're truly who you say you are, notice what he says. Command that these stones become bread. But he answered and said, it is written. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him up into the holy city, set him on the pinnacle of the temple, and he said, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge over you, and in their hand they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, It's written again, You shall not tempt the Lord your God. And the devil took him up on an exceedingly high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to them, All these things I will give if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, Away with you, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only you shall serve. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and ministered to him. Now notice what transpired here. As as Paul said that the Scripture is God-breathed. It's living. It's active. Jesus was proof of that. That that Word became flesh and dwelled among us. That that Word was, was active and it brought forth all the teachings that we have and it's brought forth through the Spirit through His Word here. Satan couldn't defend against that power. Jesus didn't say every time Satan came to him, if you are the son of God, Jesus didn't say, well, here's what I think about the matter. Here's what I, Jesus knew he was protected because of the word. The word is what stands up. The word is what defeats. The word is what has Satan leave us, depart from us, because he can't stand against the word. And that Word is what we have to trust in because it's our foundation. It makes us unmovable. But we have to be unmovable on that foundation which is His Word. Too many times we want to move because as we said in Bible class, we don't want to believe that there's just one faith. We don't want to believe that there's just one baptism. We want to be a Lord ourselves so it crumbles that part of the foundation because God's Word says it is. Are we going to change it? Are we going to make the the foundation whatever we want it to be and think it's going to stand? We have to stay true to the foundation. And that's what Paul was telling Timothy. He was telling Timothy, stay true to that foundation which you've been taught. Don't stray away from it. Continue to trust in it. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lead not to your own understanding. In all your ways, what? Acknowledge Him. He shall direct your path. How? Through His Word. Job said he would trust in God's word like his necessary food. Because he knew he could live without it. Isn't that what Jesus told Satan? Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. That's what sustains us. That's what holds us. That's what keeps us up. He said it's written. It's a statement that protected him from Satan. Now you may not understand the power of the words in the book Well, there's a lot sometimes we don't understand but it's there and we can trust it because everything we know from morality to how we walk to, to the path that we need to follow to that hope of salvation everything that we know and follow and do is built upon that God's word but we have to be a part of that word now, Paul takes it a step further. He implies that we need to know what the Bible says in order to know what is right and wrong. Because the Bible is the foundation for this. Notice 16 through 17 again. All Scripture is God-breathed, but notice what it's profitable for. For doctrine, that one faith to follow, reprove, correction, instruction, and righteousness, that we can be complete, thoroughly equipped... This is everything that we need to know of how to live our Christian life. The Bible is like I heard someone say one time when they were putting a puzzle together. They said they used to go to their grandmothers. and they Grandmothers would have a bag with a puzzle pieces in it. But she'd always take it out of the box. She'd put these puzzle pieces in a bag and she'd throw away the box. He said, I never did know really had to put the puzzle together because I didn't have anything to go by. I'd just try pieces and try pieces, and they'd look like they'd fit. And he said, I never could get them to work because I didn't know where they actually belonged. I didn't have a picture to guide me to put the pieces together. Isn't that what the Bible does for us? It's that picture so we can put the pieces of this life. We can say, oh, yeah, I know this goes here. And I know this fits here because this is the picture that I'm trying to achieve. This is what I'm getting to. This is my ultimate goal. And these are how I need to put put the pieces together. It's our picture of how we live this life. Um, But many times when we understand, okay, maybe maybe you're going to start and you're going to say, it's like someone told me one time. I'm going to start reading the Bible. I'm going to start studying it. I'm going to start reading it more. I'm going to try to get through it. I'm going to try to learn all I can from it. And as I was reading it, they tell me it works sometimes. But she told me one time she said, you know, it's starting to make me mad. I said, what do you mean it's starting to make you mad? I don't like what I'm reading. There's things in there I didn't know were there. There's things in there that just makes me mad. And as, as we got to talking more, I got to realizing that that is how the Bible does. Because what we do, we start realizing God is not what we thought he was in our minds. God God may not do the things in which we thought he did. He may not think the way we think he thinks. Because we wanted God to be like us. We want him to be and think like we do. And when we start finding out that he's not like that, it, it starts becoming hard for us. But what we start realizing as we study more and as we do these things, that we realize that that's the basis, once again, for our foundation. And once we grasp that, that God is not like man, that God instructs us, he gives us everything that we need to complete us, then we start realizing we're standing on a pretty firm foundation. That whatever comes our way, we can start facing now because we're facing it with the truth, that absolute truth, that faith that comes from his word, not, become, not come from what I thought his word said or what I thought his word meant, but actually what it actually does. Now the Bible repeatedly tells us that we have a choice. Here's where it comes down to. We have to choose whether we're going to believe what we're reading we're going to believe what we're studying. We're going to believe what we're finding out. That we believe that we're on that true foundation, and we have to choose. We get to decide whether I believe that or not. Now, it doesn't whether I believe it or not doesn't make it true or false. I just have to decide: is this what I'm going to do? I, that's that's what I have to decide. It's like I was talking to someone. You know, it's like it's like being a parent. It's it's you know when when you're teaching your child and you're teaching them about faith and they're watching you when it comes to faith and they're watching the things that you do going to church and doing these things they're 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 watching that and there comes a time where they have to decide is that what i'm going to believe is that what i'm going to do and they start studying that and they start realizing it and they realize I'm not doing it because that's what mommy and daddy said to do. They're doing it because it's the right thing to do. I have to decide whether I believe it's the right thing to do and whether I'm going to follow it and realize there's consequences and rewards depending on what my belief in that is. That's what God does. God presents his word. We have a choice whether we're going to follow it. We have a choice whether we're going to believe it. It doesn't change what it's going to say. Just because I read it, close it, and throw it down, say I'm not going to accept it, doesn't mean it's not there. As Parker said, feelings doesn't change facts. It is what it is. That's what we have. And we have to decide, are we going to build on that foundation? In Psalms 1... Beginning at verse 1. It says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. And Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 7. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rains descended, the floods came, the winds blew, beat on that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. Why? wasn't on the right foundation. The problem wasn't with the storm. The problem wasn't with the rain. The problem wasn't with the wind. The problem was the foundation. The storm had nothing to do with it. You say, sure did it, knocked it down. No, it fell because the foundation wasn't strong. The one that had the strong foundation, the wind didn't do anything too. The rain didn't do anything too. The floodwaters didn't do anything too because they were on the right foundation. See, we we look at the wrong things. We, we, we try to think, okay, I'm going to build my life any way that I want to build it. I may have stairs leading to nowhere. I may have pillars that don't prop anything up. I may have all of these things. <coughs> and I realize... Well, that's the way I treat my foundation, too. And then the first problem that comes along, the first tragedy, the first trial, the first thing that upsets that, I don't know what to do because I'm crumbling. You want to know how one person gets through a tragedy and another person doesn't? I've often wondered that a lot of times. How can this person go through this same thing and they're going through it different than this person over here? Well, you may think, Well, it's because of a lot of things. I think it comes down to foundation. If I've got the right foundation, the circumstances that come doesn't change that. Does it still hurt? Yeah. Do I still need to prepare for that wind? Yeah. Is it going to blow hard and, and it can be scary? Yeah. But I can have the trust to know that I'm going to get through it. Now, getting through it may mean that a lot of things happen but I'll still be standing in the end. I may be standing in front of God on the day of judgment. It may not get me through this world, but it gets me to the next. That's what we're striving for. That's why we build our foundation. That's why we, we trust on the foundation that is there. When we start thinking about all that, uh, all that God's word means to us, Again, we have a choice whether we're going to follow it. And I think, I think that's what, what's happened today. Uh, we, we choose whether we're going to listen to that structure, have that foundation. And we see in our culture where so many doesn't stay true to that foundation, and we see the result about it in our culture today. When we don't have that foundation for morality, you start having educated people that can't tell you what a woman is. You start having educated people that you can't convince that a man doesn't get pregnant. You start having educated people who don't understand why uh, uh, there's a difference between a man and a woman. You, You start having all of these things start to rise because morality standard is not what it is because it varies depending on what somebody thinks. But the foundation that we build upon has that standard of morality. That has that standard of living. That answers those questions. But it just doesn't. We just don't want to follow that. Because we've lost our way. We're lost in the storm. And we're sinking in the sand. At some point we've got to have. The right foundation. We've lost our moral compass. Now in contrast to that. There's a study that was done a few years back. That found that people. People who study the scriptures four or more times a week are stronger in their faith than those who don't. That sounds pretty obvious, doesn't it? They call it the rule of four. They found that people who read or study their Bible four or more times a week were 228% more likely to share their faith with others, over 400% more likely to memorize scripture, 59% less likely to view pornography, 30% 30% less likely to, likely to struggle with loneliness. And, and it goes on a whole list of things that people struggle with, uh, uh, with morality that changes depending upon how much an individual studies the scriptures. You know why? Because the only direction we get is from scripture when it comes to those things. The only standard for morality is with scripture. We wouldn't have it without it. It's like people says, I I don't want to live, you know, I'd like to live in a place that doesn't have any laws or any morals. You can do whatever you want to. I don't want to live in a place like that, do you? I don't want to be a part of that. Because I know how I sometimes feel about other people and what I would want to do to them. I'm sure there's a lot of people feel that way about me. As soon as I step out on the porch, I'm going to know about it. I don't want to live it. I want laws that prevent those things sometimes. That's what God's Word does. It gives us structure. It gives us that foundation, that that, that compass to keep us from being lost. But we have to follow it. Lastly, notice uh, how we need to build our lives on this foundation of Scripture. Notice what Paul told Timothy here, back to verse 14 and 15. He said, but you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing whom you have learned them, now notice what he says, and that from childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. These sacred writings are the foundation of our salvation. Scripture makes us wise for salvation through faith. Now, I like how Paul words this. Scriptures make you wise when it pertains to salvation. If I want to be wise about anything, it's salvation. If I want to know the truth about anything, if I want to have a good understanding about anything, salvation would be it, because salvation determines where I spend eternity. So Paul told Timothy, you don't forget this, these things that you've learned through the holy scriptures, which are this foundation because it makes you wise for salvation. In other words, it tells you what to do to be saved. That's why I think Paul told Timothy, you keep preaching that word because people need to hear what they must do to be saved even when they don't want to hear it. They need to hear it. When they cried out to Peter and the rest of the apostles, what must we do to be saved? Peter told them exactly what scripture says. Peter told him, You've got to have this foundation or salvation isn't going to happen. But yet, when somebody would ask us today, Are we wise to salvation? How does a person become saved? How does a person become a Christian? How does a person obey God? You know, we talk about unity in our Bible class. Sometimes, for sake of unity, we're kind of hesitant to answer that question because it may make someone mad, may upset someone. But do feelings matter? Or do I want facts? It's like, you know, I hear people say, you know, I won't go to that doctor. He doesn't have a good bedside manner. He's not very nice. I don't care if they're nice or not. I want them to fix what's wrong with me. Now, it'd be nice if they made a little chit-chat, but I, I don't want them to come in. Now, if, if bedside manner, I'd make a good doctor. I think I'd have good bedside manner, contrary to what some believe. But I can, you know, I can talk to people. I can smooth people. I can charm people. I can't heal nobody. I can't fix what's wrong with them. Take an aspirin. I don't know. I want to go someone who knows what they're doing. I want to go someone who has the facts, who has the knowledge, who is wise in what they're doing. So I want to be wise in my salvation. I want to know exactly what to do to be saved. Because if we don't want to be saved, I don't even know why we're here. Why would we even bother with it? Why would we even try? If I didn't want to be saved, I wouldn't do it. I tell you this morning, I think I'd rather be home in the bed. I think I'd rather be home just laying around doing nothing. I don't feel good. But there's times that we just have to say, this is what I need to do because this is going to help me. Or this is what I need to do. I want to know what's going to save my soul. It's not always about us. It's about Him. It's about that foundation. Now sometimes we can do whatever we want to do upon that foundation and it just looks a mess. We can fix it if the foundation is right. So I asked you today, do you want to be on the right foundation? Do you want that one faith to build upon that foundation That comes from God's word and no other place. No other place will we be wise for salvation than his word. His word tells us we have to have faith. We have to believe. We have to believe what he says. We either believe it or we don't. It doesn't change the facts, but we have a choice. We either believe it or we don't. And if we believe it, we're going to repent, we're going to change because that's what his word tells us to. We're going to confess him because that's what his word tells us to. We're going to be baptized, immersed for the remission of our sins because that's what he tells us to. We're going to rise to walk in newness of life. We're going to walk in the light as he is in the light because that's what he tells us to. We're Now we're becoming wise to salvation because the he, the one true word, the God-breathed, active, powerful word tells us that are we going to follow it have we strayed away have we we believe in that one foundation that true foundation but we strayed off of it we've moved off the foundation we can come back we can make it right he'll still invest in us to make us right if we stay true to that foundation